Welcome to the Wealth Radar podcast, where we scan the landscape and navigate the noise of investing in personal wealth. I'm Paul Fowler, and I'm joined by my brother Jason. We are certified financial planners from Fowler's Group, and in this episode, we are also joined by our young gun. Ben, oh, actually, he's not so young; he's just younger than us. Well, he looks young. He young looks in young. The face. Ben Cole, welcome, Ben. Welcome along, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, and we're going to discuss a recently released a report from Financial Freedom um, that Jason came across your desk, Jason, via LinkedIn, I think, um, and and the findings in that report. Yeah, so this popped up on my LinkedIn feed when I was um, driving, I think, through Dubbo or pulled up at Dubbo and um, was coming home on a road trip. And it's the, head, the headline that hit was... Um, Dream life, not just dream home. Housing no longer the foundation for wealth. Um, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. So we should we should have a look at that and, and have a chat. So it turns out there was this um, report uncovering the aspirations of modern Australia that's been uh, released in April. Um, it's done with some research by a guy um, by the name of Mark McCrindle, a social researcher. And it's interesting. So, I, you know... I read the article and, you know, the first headline in the press says, housing is no longer viewed as the backbone for wealth creation by Australians. And financial advisors, so that's us, which grab my interest, will soon have to develop strategies to adapt to this evolution. I thought, wow, what, what is going on there? So we'll get the report and our local researcher, Mr Cole... I said, Ben, can you go and research, uh, find this article for me? It took him about 30 seconds. He went to a website and downloaded it. And I thought, well, let's have a, let's have a chat right, and we'll get yeah. Ben in because um, you and I, Porco, well, it's up for debate based on where the brackets are, you think, in um, generations, but I'm definitely uh, an X. I'm a cross-genner. You're a cross-genner. I'm an X. That's better than a cross-genner. Maybe different wording for that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, and then, uh, as we said, Ben's a, Ben's a Y or a, you're a Y? Millennial. A millennial. Yeah. Interchangeable. Mille- interchangeable. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, this, this research goes all the way from Zs through to uh, builders. So um, I thought, good place to start. There was, there was essentially um, four major areas in the report that they came to. One is that, um, what is the new Aussie dream of financial well-being? So maybe we should, uh, we should start there. Um, yeah. and talk about the, the research. Well, I think a lot of it's come about, the survey has come about, and they do sort of note it in it, it post-COVID. Yep. Um, and, and my thoughts is that a lot of um, the way people operate going forward is because of what's happened in COVID, lockdowns and all that sort of stuff. So maybe that's the, changed the mindset of a lot of people, which is, um, which is why the, this yeah. report is done and why people have said what they, they've said. Um, but in saying that, the younger generation is all the Zs. Yeah, probably they do have a completely different Different attitude as what what we do as well. Yeah, and it says, I mean, the headline in the executive summary is essentially is financial um, independence is most common aspiration by Australians. So 55% have this as as an aspiration across all age brackets. Um, And 50% are aspiring to take regular holidays. 45% are aspiring for home ownership. And and forty five percent for a good work life balance. But what they're suggesting in here is that that across the generations that's changing yep. a bit. So um, it's in fact it says that if they were Australians are asked the question would they prefer a dream lifestyle versus a dream home, mm-hmm. it's now sixty percent 
would suggest a dream lifestyle and 40% would suggest a dream home. That's not saying no home ownership, which is what I thought yeah. the article was alluding to in the beginning, but it's essentially saying that particularly Gen Zs, mm. 71% are aspiring to live their dream life as opposed to having their dream home. Um, and it falls all the way down to about 50% when you're in boomers and builders. So it's still more yep. than half the Australian population uh, is, is aspiring lifestyle qualities now, not the the fancy oh, I, picket I mean, fence. I, I think that would be right. Yeah. I mean, you're closer to the younger generation. Well, you're why, Ben. What, do you think that's the mindset of the, the younger generation, the dream life? Yeah, I, I definitely resonated with um, that top aspiration in my category, in the millennial category, which was um, the work-life balance. And it's one of the reasons why I've stayed here to have a flourishing career in Cairns. Yep. Um, you know, there was opportunity to, to go down to a big city um, before getting into this industry because that's where the opportunities were, or which I thought. And um, fortunately, you guys took a punt and gave me a job and uh, haven't looked back. But yeah, the work-life balance is something that I've really prioritized now. Yep. But then the context behind that is... Why is it not? Is why is the home ownership not a a big goal for a lot of the other generations? Is it because they already have the home, so it's not really a goal? So yeah. then, once you've got the home, well, what's the what's following goals? Is mate, it's work? You know, I totally agree with what you say yeah. there. I think if you look at the say the Gen Xs, the Boomers, the uh, what's the what's the older generation builders, builders the, the builders. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, they they've either they've got their home or they've had it, whether it's paid off or not. But they've they've done that. They've ticked that box essentially mm. to a mm. point. So what do they, mm. what do they want next? Let's go on holidays or yeah. good family connection. The interesting thing for me is the older generations, the boomers and the the builders, yep. the bees. Um, one of their main focus that didn't feature in the top three focus of the other generations was building strong friendships and, and relationships. And relationships. Yeah, that absolutely. was there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I that's, think that that's, that's a notable a, change for me. Yeah, and I, I think if you you know do any research into human evolution and Maslow's needs and all of that sort of stuff. The, as to, to build on what Ben said, you know, as you establish and get a base, um, life becomes about your involvement with other people and the community you're part of. We touched on that when we did the retirement mm. uh, episode where, you know, people who, who struggle to find their way through um, life after work generally are finding struggling to find their place in in the world and I think that's what again reiterates here that it's um it's about building a base and one of the other things we're going to touch on is financial literacy and a few of the other things we'll touch on that in a second but what is prohibiting people feeling comfortable about that and I think that the interesting stuff in this research is that those younger generations yet haven't found what that is right mm. and to your point about the uh, the home ownership right the you know gen Z's according to this research, um, are suggesting, well, they see it as something that might be difficult to get. Um, and, yeah, granted, most of the other generations may already have homes, and so that's something they're aspiring to do because they've seen their parents and their grandparents and, and, and those people ahead of them, um, in their mind, solidify life um, and also solidify wealth because I would suggest, you know, Gen Zs are my kids, right? They've, they're aware of the fact that, you know, Somebody they know, you know, bought a house in Melbourne 30 years ago mm. for a couple of hundred grand and now they're three million or mm. someone bought a, co a house on the, the, the Sunshine Coast, you know, our uncle moved up there in the 70s when no one wanted to live there, it cost nothing and now they're millions of dollars and so they, they perceive this, um, I think, in some way, um, be interested in your thoughts, Ben, um, that wealth creation comes with that property mm. value accumulation. Yeah. 
Um, what, what do you think? I think what was important to note was that there was a quote in there by uh, one of the Gen Z participants that the definition of home has changed. Yeah. So, it, you know, the Australian dream, it used to be four or five bedroom house, big backyard, pool, that, you know, white picket fence. But now, according to this article, what Gen Zs think of home ownership is downscaling to a unit or a townhouse or some or all these the boom of tiny homes. This seems to be this yeah. new cultural revolution in tiny homes. So I think it's important to note that the definition of home has changed for that for that yeah. generation. They'd love to still have a home, but it's you know. Oh, and you're probably right there. To me, that maybe that's the major change because I. I try and think about my Gen X, right? So, so let's take us back to, and we, I know we don't have a survey from yeah. 20 years ago, right? But when Gen X was the, the most recent generation, mm-hmm. my thoughts is that if I did the survey, I'd probably come out the same as what the, the Gen Zers are doing now. Stage anyway, of life. But you know what I want to do? I want a bloody dream lifestyle. The mm. home is sort of, yeah, but, you know, once I get to me, you know, your 30s, you get married, you have kids, you sort of, there's different stresses involved and yeah, yeah you're, you're a bit care, more carefree, obviously. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's fine. Yeah, that, that's appropriate. And that sort of leads into the next part of the report, which talks about the importance of financial literacy. Mm. And the, where they start that from is that they ask the generations and across the across the board, yes, it, it differed a little bit generation to generation and it certainly differed gender to gender, but the top five barriers seen by Australians to achieving financial uh, aspirations, whether that be dream life or dream home. Number one's cost of living, right? Everyone's talking about that at the moment. Inflation, interest rates. Um, Interestingly, that's 72%, right? That's huge. That's massive. The next biggest was at 38%, right? And the rest of them all sit in their sort of mid-30s to mid-20s. Current income, right? Now, possibly that's heavily, you know, I'm guessing a builders and a and a boomers. That's probably not seen as a barrier, but certainly mm. for a Z and a, and a, an exit a, a Z and a Y, it probably is. Mm-hmm. Interest, interestingly, interest rates are only a third, right? And yet, cost of living seventy two percent. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, being in debt and and whether we've got any savings or not. Um, and one of the things that's interesting, I think, that they then went on and talked about in this report from cost of living was what portion of the Population and they've done this by state are focused on savings versus budgeting as a means of accommodating that cost of living, right? And it's certainly a massive skew towards budgeting or how do we spend our money? Where does our money go? As opposed to, you know, I think you said when we were talking about in prep for this, Paul, focusing on what happens tomorrow and today yeah. versus what happens in the future. And whilst we're aspiring to a dream life, we're actually really focused on what's happening in our living pocket in the now. Today. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of that, that cost of living, your, your, your everyday stuff. You go to the grocery now. I don't do the groceries. Sorry, I'm, my my wife does that, and I'm not a chauvinist or anything like that. I just don't do it, and I wouldn't know where to start. But um, it's only recently she was telling me you wouldn't believe how the, the grocery bill. Now I've got four kids, and I've got a few mouths to feed. But essentially, she says that it's almost doubled in the last twelve months just to get you do your standard. Mm. Groceries. Now you imagine that across Australians and yep. you know that the people on lower incomes or what have you, they still got to eat the same. You know yeah. that doesn't change from no. from income level. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That that that's a huge stressor, and that's living in the now. Where you're going to find your pennies to just eat? Yeah, mm. yeah, no, absolutely. 
But when you take your hat off to Gen Z, I'm not sure if you guys came across this, but Gen Z and the younger generations were the least likely to be satisfied with their financial situation, yep. but most likely to do something about it. And the way they were going to go about that was to build additional streams of revenue and work multiple jobs mm. and, and extra hours. And I think mm. that's another cultural shift in the Australian zeitgeist where it used to be you have one job, it's one career, it, that's enough to bring in enough income into the family home to cover all the bills and that was it, to buy mm. the nice big home. It used to just be one salary would cover it. And now Gen Z is, is I think they're realizing that the cost of living, context of COVID and everything like that mm. and, the, and house prices... I can't just do it on one job anymore. I can't just have one career. I need to have multiple streams of revenue and yeah, hats off to them. Super super savvy. Yeah, I I think that's that's absolutely correct. But I also think that is true and also in line that they're they're more focused on still living whilst doing the basics. So they they don't want to, the the gen, this is just my take on the Gen Z and it's a good attitude for them to have is that, they just don't want to earn enough to, to get by living. They still want to be able to go out and do the, the dream light to do that. How are we going to do that? We'll go get another job. Yeah. Good well, on them. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's interesting just building on that point where they say, you know, they're most fearful that they haven't got the financial knowledge to get where they want to go, but they're the generation desperate to do it. Mm. And the interesting thing in the article is that, that most of the generations agree that that stems back from the fact that financial literacy is not taught mm. en masse in our schools at any age. And so the the challenge and one of the interesting things comes out of this, I think the opportunity for us as a nation um, and certainly us as financial advisors in some way, shape or form to play a part in that going forward is to actually start to teach financial literacy yeah, and understanding of that. We okay. just, it, it's just not there, right? So what, what what is the problem now? I'm, I'm, we don't want to say what schools and what have you, but you're, you're involved with a, 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 a one of the number one, or if not the num- number one school here in Cairns, one of them, top three, what what do number they do one, about no. <laughs> of course number one what do, what do <laughs> they is there talk about it in the, in the schools about it at all that, or or are they hands tied or why why I, isn't it I don't know I, I, it's actually just not there I, like mm. I think about and it wasn't to be fair it wasn't there for us either no no really it wasn't, no. the only the only difference is that when we were at school I don't know whether you remember that right but the the one of the biggest banks ran the Dolomites program. Right? Oh, yeah. And yep. every kid yep. had a bank account, you right? Now, ours wasn't with them. Ours was with a different bank because that's where mum and dad banked. But you used to have banking day, right? Mm. And we would actually get given a dollar or $2 to go and the fellow from the bank would come in and you'd put the money mm. in the account and it'd be written in. So you actually started to learn that concept of saving, right, in a really simple way, right? And the difficulty, I think, now, and it's interesting in this article that Gen Z talk about one of the ways that they're going to combat is through the use of mobile apps and data to actually start to capture up the information. And I think part of the reason for that and one of the challenges is everything's become tapped now. So there's no concept of what I'm spending, right? And, you know, when of my first paycheck, you know, when I was scraping dags off a bloody at a gal plant, right? I used to get cash in a little envelope, right? Yeah, a little yellow envelope. And you'd have to you'd put some aside and then you'd go and put some in the bank and you knew that you were actually spending because if it stayed in your pocket, just like everybody, it disappeared, right? You'd spend it on stuff. But I think that this concept, and that's certainly changed with COVID, and maybe is what in some way, as I think about this, has accelerated this concept of lack of confidence in financial literacy and lack of confidence in what I'm doing is that everyone, no one carries cash anymore, mm. right? Everyone just taps. And, and unless you are digitally tracking that 
and really disciplined about doing that, mm. you got no concept of, you know, no one looks at their bank account balance, right? They just, it, it's my take, yeah. right? And and no one has good structures around that, right? I think about the, the couple of lessons that we when we when our kids first got jobs and and they know they still do it today. Yeah. Josh is now. Fully, got a full-time employment is that we set them up with two bank accounts. I might have touched on this in a previous mm, episode. Yeah. To give them the concept of your pay goes into one account and you allocate an amount of money to go into the account that has the tap on it, mm. right? So that if you get the rude shock that the thing don't work, at some point you go, oh, what am I doing? I'm overspending. And I, you know, I think that that's, that's a real challenge. And it's interesting in this article also that people are now – seem to have a bigger awareness about superannuation or they say in here that 70% believe that superannuation is going to play a big part in that and that's probably now realistically the only asset that is like the old bank account we had as the where you, there's money going in regularly, you are not able to take it out so it's starting to force an awareness. I don't know what the answer is. Oh, look, I think with, if you just touch on the superannuation, I actually think over the last... 15 years, I'll say 15, maybe longer, is that how long have I been involved in the business? 20-odd years. Mm -hmm. Certainly since then, with regards to superannuation and the younger generation, they certainly take a lot more interest in what superannuation is and what it's going to be. Not necessarily that they're pumping money in it or anything like that, but they understand it and know what it's for. And uh, Whereas me, for example, I started work for... That's the government. That's yeah, not my yeah, money. Absolutely. You know, it's not my money. It's mm. the employer just does that. Mm. Do you find that with now, Ben? Yeah, it's it's. I think with the explosion in um, content, financial content on podcasts, mm. that has just blown up. There are so many money podcasts all talking about um, financial management, personal personal wealth generation, and superannuation is just this word that is getting thrown around so much more now. It's 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 a lot more in the in the public spotlight and so uh yeah podcasts books it's it's the 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 litany of um content available at our fingertips now it's no longer you know financial management was mum and dad having blue chip shares yep. and that was it that was that was the extent of personal wealth now there's you know, you don't need a uni degree. You don't need any qualifications, really, if you want to have a grasp of your own pers personal wealth because yeah. there's that much free information out there. Yeah, yeah it's it. a crazy and, time and, to be and, alive. And, and, yeah. and that could be, maybe it could be information overload for that younger generation. It could too. be. They're hearing it all, but, well, what do we do? Because they're saying this, they're saying this, and you just yeah. get this amount yeah. of confusion. I think back on what you were talking before about tap and go, and I, I was listening on the radio the other day because the – you know, the afterpay services, yep. those companies that, that start and the regulators are stepping in. And Finally caught them. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, them. there was this lady talking and she said it's not the it's not the big ticket items that are getting people in trouble and because she, she is like a, a lady in her 20s. And she said what it is, it's that we go along to Cotton On, for example, which is just a, mm. like a cheap clothes store, but we'll put a $20 shirt on hock, you know, and, and just – them take it out at five dollars a week but they're doing that at multiply different so this five dollars coming out every time yeah. they're not they're not it's like it's so a it's psychological just, thing yeah so it's not yeah. spending the big dollars no 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 it's just this it's little bit compounding coming up small on ones such, yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah, interesting it isn't it I, I was fascinated by that i was actually in drum and golf um four or five months back you know looking at some stuff and this bloke got me and bought us a, a, a golf glove right so it's a gain it's a 20 dollar purchase and after paid it you're kidding and yeah. i went what and I, and I actually said to darren i said this he said it happens all the time yeah 
And I go, wow, because I had this association like you that that was used for lounges and all these new stuff, but it's used for everything. And and I think that's the challenge. It's interesting with all the information out there because life's become so easy and money's become easy. Yeah. Not people to some extent are still running up credit card debts, but now they're running up these pay as you go Mm. debts. And and I'm interested with all because I agree with you, all the information that's out there. You know, it's a good, it, but it's but it's it almost like it's become noise, right? Because yeah. this report says people still struggle to understand what they should be doing, yeah, properly, which I, is I think scary, right. right? I think that's right because I think the information overload. Because on one of the pages in this, I know we spoke about it um, yesterday, Paf. The factors that improve Australians' confidence in navigating financial challenges, right? So we have all this information at our fingertips. And the third highest factor that Australians were saying <laughs> would improve their confidence is flexible, flexible payment options. You've got to be kidding me. Because <laughs> that's the correct. That's, that's going to give you strife, that's yeah. going to give yeah. you confidence. Yeah. yeah. Insane. Yeah. I actually I actually liked in the article, because they, they do a com whilst they do generations, they compare the female and male. And male. Yeah, well, I, I found a lot of that there. quite interesting yeah. as well across a couple of the different topics. Um, but on the financial li- literacy section, the, what I noted is that the Young men are more satisfied satisfied with their current situation. That's and not a pay- confidence issue, is it? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but the women seem to be the women. My take on it is seem to have take the longer term view of their their dreams, mm-hmm. where the men sort of live in the now. Yep. As a as a as a whole, that's what that yep. was my take on that. Is, yep. is that what you think, or? Yeah, well, there's heaps of studies that you know they've been done in the investment place to just say men are more confident, more bullish than than women. Women yep. are more conservative, but women also, and that's what comes out again in this report, right? Um, and I think that this is also a generational change, right? That, that there's been there's far more. I mean, I've got two young uh, two daughters and one son, and there's in the last. Two generations, right? From basically, it probably started with my generation, the X's, and it's certainly accelerated through Y's and Z's, is that there's far more younger women that are going on to some form of, you know, long-term career. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And and whereas the generations in the builders and the boomers, that was less and less so, right? And I so I think it's an awareness thing, and I think it's, it also factors into that financial literacy, not as we as a, as a population are poor, but... To be fair, in the last couple of generations, it's it's only then really that there's been a big focus on it for women to be thinking about their own situation. People are getting married later, you know, all of that. Keep having kids later, all of that sort of stuff has changed. And I, you know, I actually think there's lots of good traits in this that young men can mm. learn from that. What this study says about young women about yep. being aware of what's today um, and what to do for the to the future. But the interesting there's a I don't. I don't know what section it was um that the 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 time frames to reach their dreams and i um, think this was the gen zetas and the and the Ys. the time frame was five to nine years mm-hmm. and i look at it i look at that and go five to nine years that's you're going to reach all your dreams in five to nine that is a short time frame sign me mm-hmm. up yeah yeah it's but good. i think that's a generational thing as well because and then i'll go back look at my 20s 30 was a long, long way away, you know. It's like <laughs> I need to have stuff done before I get old. Yeah, yeah. And as you, you know, as you get to 40, you, you know, that 10 years is, becomes 15 years isn't too far, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think and then that, suddenly you're like me, you're in your 50s and suddenly 60s just around the corner and you go, what, where did that go? Yeah, it seems so close, <laughs> but when you're 20, 30 so far away. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 
Yeah, it's interesting, right? And that's, but for me, that's one of the the benefits again that this article, and I'll come back to it, but talks about superannuation, is that the study says four in five Australians actually now have a reasonable awareness of what their balance is, mm. right? And so that's got to be, and that's across the entire. So that's got as going back to our point, that's got to be everything. But I think the unfortunate part, on my take, is that potentially the unfortunate part of this is that I tend to feel that a lot of the younger generations are thinking that'll be the thing that'll solve it. So I need to get my home <laughs> and then super will solve the rest and I'll just I've got to live in today and, um, and oh, you know, I'm massively concerned by all this afterpay stuff. Like it scares the bejesus out of me. Um, but it's getting some better habits into some more yes. routine, long-term. So anyway, and, and there's lots of little apps out there like these, these micro-investments and, you know, where you can buy this little bit of mm, this yep. as a, you know, and so I do it on a pooling. But it's, you know, I think that at some point people have got to commit to some regular long-term savings and statistically maths works, right? The, the earlier you do it, the better off you are. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that at some point we've got to get that into the schools essentially. We've got to start yeah. teaching that concept the basic rule of getting rich save first spend second yeah correct. Yeah, and that hasn't changed no forever. but it's something that yeah. this report says that gen z and particularly are very aware of yeah they, they're just struggling to know how to do it best and yeah. i think that that's where you know their yeah, that, financial advice history before. can There's help too a lot. much information for yeah. them now yeah they know what they know they've got to do it but how yeah, yeah. Oh. um was there anything else in the that we wanted to pick up on the uh, not on the the literacy stuff. What was the next bit they spoke about? Oh, the next thing was the financial. The last thing was the financial freedom index, oh, which okay. you know, yeah. this is, to be fair, super confusing. Very. Yeah, confusing. I was going to say you can talk about that. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> what they what they basically did is they've done a financial freedom index. It's I don't know the mechanics behind it, but it's obviously something that's done across the board somewhere. But it it cuts up the it scores you out of a hundred. Um, but it cuts it into three areas and there's uh, th- there's three base areas and I assume there's five points in each area because it says there's 15 factors that make up this financial um, freedom index. And overall, Australians score 49. Now, I would have thought that 49 <laughs> when I went to school is a fail, um, but, yeah. you know. You, you, know saw right? a few, you saw it, a few of them? Uh, no, I didn't. No. <laughs> I saw one at uni and it gave me a hell of a shock in a midterm. I never did that again. Um, but interesting, the report says that 50% is a reasonable score because you're well positioned. I go, okay, I don't get that. Mm. But the other interesting thing for me is it's cut up into these three, as I said, these three areas, broad areas. Foundations measures the extent to which individuals are set up to move towards freedom and achieve their goals from their childhood experiences and financial literacy. Behaviour, that measures the extent to which individuals have habits and practices that are likely to benefit them moving forward towards their dreams. And attitude measures the degree to which individuals have a mindset that will help them flourish and move closer to their financial dreams, essentially how motivated they are. So foundation, the skills you have, behaviour, your ability to adapt those skills, and attitude, you know, how motivated you are to get where you go. All right? As I said, we come out at 49, but the interesting thing for me is that every single generation scored massively, like two thirds, you know, at least 50%, but the, the younger generation's two-thirds on attitude. Yeah. I was going to say, so. Right, which is, which is not dissimilar to the conversation we've had. They're all aspiring to get there, but coming back to the financial literacy piece, every single generation, the best score 
in the generations for actually the skills was 45 out of 50 and most were in their 30s, mm. right? And so, we, you know, we're motivated to do it. We believe on average we're somewhere between 40 and 50 at the ability to do it. But we don't, and we, but we're we between forty and fifty. So we don't have the skills, and we don't necessarily we have, have the ability have the yet. Because if we don't have the skills, we don't know how to use them. Mm. But we're really motivated to get there. And I think mm. this is that for me. Out of the heading that Makes came sense. out that says "Dream Life Over Dream Home," no one wants to own a home anymore. The guts of this was the base level is Australians just they want to do it, they just don't know how. Mm. And if they are trying, they don't know whether they're doing the right thing. Yeah. What's everyone else feel with that? I uh, I agree with your with your, with your comments there. I mean that yeah, those scores speak for themselves. The foundation score we spoke about it, not you know as basic as financial literacy not being spoken about at schools because they talk about your childhood experiences. You know in regards to your financial literacy now, um, behaviour, um, yeah, that knowing what to do but knowing how to do it. Yeah, yeah, it goes back to what. What I believe when, when Ben mentioned there's there's so much information there, so they actually can get the information. So that so the younger generations I think have that covered now, getting the information, but maybe there's this stalling point how they then use that information to to improve. Um, and for me, yeah, attitude, which which is great because That's fantastic. You can fix the other two. Yeah. The attitude, yeah. As long as the other two can get fixed through whatever realm, you're really going to be a good chance of being able to achieve it, aren't you? Mm. I think at a high level despite the challenges and, and the changing sentiments, I think we have to realise how fortunate we are to be in Australia where everyone still thinks the dream is possible. Mm. There is no loss of hope. It's still possible. It's just maybe a different different version of what the Australian dream is, but we're not in some unfortunate country, some third world country where the, the dreams are just mm. not not going to happen. We're still very... We're still very um, positive and about our aspirations. We just know that we have to go about it maybe a different way. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, th- I think that's that's exa- exactly right. But at the moment, everyone's so focused on, oh, cost of living so high, interest yeah. rates are high. What we've got to understand, hey, this isn't new, right? The builder generation, the boomer generation went through these as well, right? Yeah. And we yeah. and we think because interest going right, so, but, you know, groceries have gone through. We can't. The word can't unprecedented. Fix it. yeah, it's not it really unprecedented, right. is it? Seriously, history is history is history, and you just keep seeing it again and again and again. And so we can't get down on that. But I think one of the the emphasis for for us, and we, I know as a firm, we've 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 been challenged by this over the, a long period of time, is how do we take the things that we know and the skills that we have, and get that in the hands of people sooner and sooner and sooner in a way that's useful for them but not cost prohibitive for us, right? Mm. Uh, and I think that that's one of the things. I think technology can help. I just think that for people listening, don't get disheartened. This isn't the first time we've had inflation at, you know, 7 or 8%. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and, and interest rates at 7% on a home loan or even 75 historically aren't that high, you know. Uh, my first home loan was 10 and a half. Um, so... You know, the cycles go through. But I, I think, and you made a valid point and when we are doing the prep for this, I was thinking about driving home last night, Ben, that has wages kept up with, mm. well, has it kept up with the the accumulation of property prices? 
but I, and I think it's a study we should have a look at because maybe in the last 15, 20 years it hasn't, but it would be interesting to look over an entire yeah. cycle, yeah, whether it has. see the numbers on that. Um, and also then overlay that against the interest rate movements that have been over the time, and so which then leads to affordability, right? Because affordability mm. is a factor of two things, the price you have to pay for it and the, the cost that it, of the interest to, to buy that asset um, over and above what you can afford to spend. So I think that would be an interesting topic to come back. And my, my gut feel is this isn't the worst time in history. It's certainly not the best but it's probably not the worst. And then, and what generally would tend to happen is that, yes, wage increases will come, um, but they may not come as quickly because at the end of the day, um, employers have still got to be able to, you know, make sure there's jobs available. Absolutely. Uh, and the flip side, you know, through COVID, I think that Australia did a really good job at keeping people employed when profitability went away. Um, and so this now it's, you know, I think wage rises will come and they're coming in different places, but it just may not come as quickly. And so it is really important that we manage what we've got and we get away from just having it now and putting it on the tick, right? This, yeah. <laughs> that, is the, that is the biggest thing that, edu- that the, the society has to come to grips with. I'm not against borrowing money to get something you need, right? But borrowing money to get everything you need, including something that, you probably mm. didn't really need if you haven't got the like I just look at it and go if you haven't got 20 bucks to buy a golf club use the one with holes in it right mm. like it's just mm. it's nice did you ever nice. did you ever lay by things back in the day absolutely yeah but you never got it to you didn't get it that's right that's that that's that delayed gratification between, yeah. Yeah. which which that's is real culture shift you had to say that's to, it to, to get it yeah. yeah exactly I mean with the kids now they say oh can we get um you know whatever a, a footy yeah no worries you can you can pay for it Oh no! I don't really want. Okay, right. You know, and that's a, that's me, eleven year old. You know, so. But my thought, thoughts on the article, um, if we go back to the headline, you know, Australians a dream lifestyle as opposed to a, a dream home is sort of what they they were getting at. I think the big thing out of it is that owning a home is still important, right up there, and still important for all Australians. My take on this, whether it's a sceptical take it on it, is that. Was owning a dream home ever the number one ahead of having a dream lifestyle anyway? Yeah. Maybe not. Um, that's probably the biggest thing for me. And I was only in a, a meeting yesterday with a client a little bit older than me and I just said, oh, yeah, we're going to do this podcast. We're talking about a few different things. And he said, you know what? I've got a, a home now but I've got no interest in getting a, you know, as a going to retirement, getting a, a nicer home or anything like that because – at the end of the day, I've got it, and it's really about experiences. And it, for me now, it's really about what can I do with my life and experiences because when I'm gone, that home's still going to be there. But And I thought, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good take on it. Yeah, and I think that that comes down. You went, you know, hierarchy of needs. Once you've got, a, you've got shelter and you feel comfortable in that and you've got money, things become other things, right? And yeah. so when you're aspiring to get to that point, you think that, it's, that it needs to be more. But I think, you know, we see it all the time in conversations with clients over period, they transform over periods of time as they get older and they they get base and they get wealth and they start to get clearer about what it is they really want. The one thing I will give Gen Z and Gen, Gen Y over the early generation is that they figure out, I think, not necessarily to the finest point, but they start thinking about what they want a lot younger. Absolutely. Mm. Right? Yeah. And so that's a great trait. That mm. is an awesome trait. And so now we've just got to factor that in about you can't, you're not going to get there tomorrow but it's really good you know what you want, so now let's get you working towards that because the, I think the boomer generation and certainly the builder generation didn't think about that until way too late. And I think this whole concept of transition to retirement 
my gut feel is going to be easier for wise than it was for boomers and builders. Oh, look, I think the, the Generation Z, Y, are certainly a lot more confident yeah. in, in their ability and in themselves than, than what we were. Um, if, I can, if I can relate it to a, like a sports atmosphere, right? We've just had the state of origin. And, I, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago when someone made a de- their debut in a, in a state of origin at 20 or, or 22, it, it was a big thing and they're worried about them making mistakes because, you know, this is all nervous. But they get 19, 20-year-olds in there now and they get in and own the game like they've been playing it for yep. origin for 10 years. No, they just do not have the fear of, I don't know, yeah, and making a mistake or whatever. They, or if they do, they just... Well, we'll move on. That's, that's, why, that's why Formula One want to get drivers younger and younger yeah. because their fear of death is not there. It's not there. They're happy yeah. to go at 350k an hour into a wall. But, that's a you huge, know, it's, that's it's a huge that shift, isn't yeah. it? They're confident, mate. Yeah. So what, what's, what's your wrap-up of the article, Ben, before we bring this to a close, this discussion? Oh, look, I think we've covered it all off. I, I think you made, it, you made a really interesting point there at the end, Chuck, um, where whether the Australian dream of home ownership was actually the the dream all along i think as i was talking to you the other night jace about um i was researching the topic of happiness for my own podcast project um but what it came down to in the in the longest study the harvard study into adult development which is the study into happiness the key finding that came out of that over the last 80 years of study was that happiness was all about having quality relationships mm. and sharing it with with people materialism and money never came into it so it's very possible that home ownership never was the australian dream it yep. was actually work-life balance and lifestyle all along but you know australia is the country for, for property ownership you know yeah. biggest real estate the, market in the world so it's very easy to confuse the two it's part but, of the australian way yeah it may not necessarily be the, 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 I, yeah. I think we're chasing happiness all along yeah. Yeah. and we thought we could get it through through property ownership yeah, but well maybe this report's actually showing us that it wasn't yeah i think that's a that's a great way so thanks um everyone for listening we hope you enjoyed that conversation we'll put a link to the self-promotion of Ben's own podcast yeah, in the I'll podcast as well. That's, we'll that's that. fine, mate. I was, yeah. was going to do it, but you got it there really well. Yeah, mate. really that smooth, cool. really smooth. Practiced that last <laughs> night in the mirror. <laughs> so um, jump on the, well, the Radar Facebook page, uh, give us some feedback, let us know some topics that you want us to chat about, and we'll talk to you at the next time. It's been good fun. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and the information contained is of a general nature and may not be relevant to your particular circumstances. The circumstances of each investor are different and you should seek advice from a professional financial advisor who can consider if particular strategies and products are right for you. In all instances where information is based on historical performance, it is important to understand this is not a reliable indicator of future performance. You should not rely on any material on this podcast to make investment decisions and should seek professional advice.